Or broadcasting from a canopy bed. I'm in bed with a mystic tech guru who's been helping me with my poetry and helping me understand. She introduced me many, many years ago to Anisanen and the idea of the spiritual interacting with the physical and being right there when that place happens. I showed her some poetry last week and she asked if she could edit it and she made it uh, clear and more succinct by separating the ideas that are in there. So I have some poems I want to share with her today to see if the progress of being in sync is happening more. I want to talk about the coolness of Leonard Cohen and how to cultivate that cold coolness inside yourself with maybe some sort of Zen hand diagrams that are below your belly button, connecting you to some sort of communication with the infinite. And then how could you not be cool if you're that solid? And uh, get into the belief and techniques of Anisanen. Uh, we're in a candy bed, and we're on a timeline. So go. Go, go, go. <laughs> This is a poem that is separated. Ooh. Do you want me to read it? Yeah. <clears throat> the movement to be free. The danger in freedom is unknown. Black eyes, birds of prey. Roman citizens would say, I pray every day, crossing the threshold, leaving their house, stepping into the unknown. All roads lead to Rome. In a time of transition, be very clear-minded and lose. Separate the genuine from the not. It's an individual task. The great embrace involves nay. Envelopes? The great embrace envelopes. 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 Seven. <laughs> Never ask an artist to explain their art. Well, I just don't know the word. <laughs> okay, it's an individual task. The great embrace. Envelops is to take in. Like in it, it can, it's like consumes, but in like a more penetrating way. Like you would say, like the fog envelops the beach. Uh, okay. You were enveloped by this hug. Great embrace envelops turning late summer humidity into a harvest. As usual, some sort of black hole between my email and your email. Vanishing point. Is discipline disingenuous? The town bell tower will know. It's the flow. The opportunities as they come. It's what you can grow. The star seeds stay in the center of the circle. And little things happen, and little things take a course. Nothing is done by the doer who has wholeheartedly vanished into the deed. Being a small version of yourself, getting heavy, cathedral of emotion. Live in motion, the first step towards freedom is difficult and awkward. I like it. Yeah. It feels so different. Than last week's? Yeah. Because it's, um, 
it's less conceptual somehow and more essential. Conceptual is like ideas of like kind of more far-reaching ideas and then essential is things happening. Mm. It's kind of less descriptive of things and more sort of It's almost like it has gone through more of a refinement of idea of thoughts. So from like like a loose concept to more sort of boil down to something that feels essential. Oh, essential to... Like it's essential because it's what is there. There's not as... It's like a little bit from like a soup to a sauce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like more condensed. I like soup, so... Yeah. Yeah, I've been hitting it with a lot of soup poems where it was just all these ideas and cool titles and phrases that make me stimulated. And then I was just putting them all together. And I hit you with one of those last week and you're like, well, let me edit that. And you broke it up so it wasn't just one long, strong, long sentence, and then you made it into little stanzas so that I, the ideas or concepts could be brought out more. Because mm-hmm. notice when you read them, you are thinking of each line, and then you're kind of dwelling on it, of, well, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. And then you would ask for it to be a, have a space to develop more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my sense was that every line could have been a whole poem. Like, it could have been unfolded. It's like, if there was one line with an idea or a concept, then I wanted to hear more about that, dive deeper in. But then the next line already took me to the next idea. And here I feel you stay more on, like, it kind of goes deeper, I feel. I also like that it rhymes in places. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, I was like, how do you give it a bit more poem hit? is you hit it with the rhymes. You hit it with the flow. Hmm. I know that behind every one of these lines, you probably have like a whole story. Where it come from, where it comes from, what it means, why you liked it, how it stimulates you, what it makes you do. Oh, that's the answer to then that's the answer to the next what I'm thinking is the next development in being a poet is to string out like that is in the poem Mm. is that's the line and then the answer to it is where did it come from what does it mean how does it stimulate I mean for instance the movement to be free then I have like all kind of thoughts about what that is you don't have to explain everything. It's not like a cooking book. But if you gave me a few more hints to what, 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 what is this? Like, I'm curious. What's in your mind when you write this? Where does it? That's then you coming through. That's then the poet coming through. Because when I hear Sean improvise a poem, or when I read the poems that I, I know that you are just 
pretty much just flow out of you. You're like, poetry is easy, and you just kind of do it. It's a totally ripping poem. The You guys write very different poems, but what's similar is they're both you thinking, and they're both you running it through your character and perspectives and personality and creativity. So it becomes you on an idea, and what you're thinking about is an idea. And then this idea goes further and further and then strings along and becomes like a, a subject or becomes mm. like a sentence. It becomes, it's saying something. Mm. And that's what I was missing with a lot of these poems that I was doing is that they were coming from not a place of saying anything, but more just collecting and arranging sensations. Mm. And in that sense, then they were always sort of disjointed because it would just be like, well, I like this I Ching quote and I like this... Uh, uh, this thing that somebody said that just was, I was like, well, that's mm. a hit. I like this science mm. fact. And then I was like, they feel good together. But then that's just like a, it's a collage of concepts. Mm. But the poem can go further if it is, if it's you. It's like that is where the actual poet then is. Mm. Is it's you exploring into these it's things. It's a little bit like new jazz and a, and a melody. <laughs> if you assemble everything that you like and put it next to each other you kind of have new jazz with no rhythm and no melody which is kind of super interesting and in the end you have a sense like it, it gave you a feeling like the whole chutam of like sounds and things happening yeah but if there is a melody or rhythm then you're like taking into like this specific vibe super fast yeah, you get to go someplace. That was my breakthrough this morning, was that uh, the poet conveys information. It's like, mm. what mm -hmm. is the poem doing? Mm. It's conveying information. Mm. Like, it's like, what is poetry? But what's so cool about it is that it's it does, but then it's a little blurry. What is it actually saying? Like, it can't be too precise. Then it's the cooking book recipe, right? It needs to be open enough that I feel you're telling me something, but really I'm also reading it with my own filter and making it mean all kinds of things. Yeah, reading it with it's your open own perspective and like can... ideas and memories. and But then if it's like kind of there enough to give mm -hmm. you the images, to mm. take your hand and bring you through these mm. places, then it becomes the tour. Mm. Then it becomes the dark ride. I think that's a good metaphor. It's like the tour, but then you also peek into these rooms where actually there's not really light enough. Or there's a little bit of light and you're not really sure what you're seeing. So everybody on that tour will be like, I saw a dog in that room. Another one would be like, no, no, like, this was like a forest. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's what yeah. made Hello Lewis. It's a great song by Leonard Cohen because yeah. you do have these really clear images like tied to the kitchen chair. But you also have things where you're like, what, what, what is this song actually about? <laughs> to, like, and so... This is Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, which was written over several years and is like a praise of sonic like proportions to God. Like it's a way that so God appreciates music, but it's also a, like a story of having kinky sex in a hotel room. I'm not even sure what it is. And then he rewrote it and rewrote it and people rewrote it. So then it's almost like, I don't know, like a... almost like a pot of ingredients that people build from or like a 
it's like a color palette. It's like a, it's rich enough that it can, that people can create from there or he created from there. These are two words I don't know now is color palette. A color palette? Yeah. It's like a mix of specific colors. Oh. It's like a selection of yeah. chosen colors. A color palette. Palette. Hmm. And then when you're listening to free jazz and it becomes a tattoo? No, I didn't say tattoo. I said tattoo, ta-ta, like a, this is like a, ta-da, like a, a thing. Like a, like an imprint. It leaves an imprint. Yeah. Without being descriptive of anything that you would be like, oh, it was, you know, it was a birthday song. No, no, it was just like a sense of maybe I was at a birthday <laughs> or <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. Wow. I'm glad that we're having this talk because I had just let go of all of this surrealist images and like just beatnik under, under thrusting like self on top of images and been like, no, you have to just write, just convey information. But uh, both are good. Like you can be imprinted and also not. But when you read beatnik literature, it's extremely descriptive. Like they go into like a lot of detail of exactly what's happening. But then they just go on to the next thing. It's like the storyline is like kind of not really existent, but but it's made of a thousand small storylines or something. Oh, and that could happen within the poem too. Is that you could really have all these descriptive scenes, like Leonard Cohen in Hallelujah when he's tied mm. to the kitchen chair. Is he the one tied? <laughs> Here it is. It's the dark room. You're looking into the hotel room. Or is he tying somebody to the kitchen chair? Yeah. We don't know, do we? We saw the documentary on the Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah, like a whole movie about writing one song, which kind of like everything, if you take it back, you can excavate it to whatever level you want to get to. And so this got to also just Leonard and his life and the way that he approached songwriting in general which was long he's so cool because he really let things take its time he seems really patient with himself he kept talking about how perseverance was like the biggest ingredients like he's just like like sitting bended over this poem that he's been spending seven years on writing and he just keeps being at it and he's but he's kind of slow why is it cool that he's slow because it kind of allows him to find something that feels really essential there's nothing forced or like there's no skipping corners or like jumping over the fence where it's like it's just he it feels like he let something emerge till it's like really true till it's crystallized he had made that point of saying that he also skips the easy parts he's like if it's obvious he won't do it mm-hmm and he really is a poet. Mm. Like, he's not 
forcing it and I don't think he's doing it because he thinks it's something to be. I think he like is living it. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. His whole life has such coherence, right? How he sings, his words, his life choices, his way of dressing, the way he relates to people, everything is like totally aligned. That's what makes him so powerful, like what he is and what he says and what he does is like totally aligned. It's there's no there's no gap between how you sense him as a person and then what he puts out in the world. Now, how does somebody get to the point that they have coherence between how they dress, the art that they're making, and the way that they're singing? How does somebody get that they have like that coherence within themselves? I feel he's very courageous in the way that he really listens to what he thinks is true and kind of just rejects everything around him that doesn't feel right to him he's listening to what he thinks is true so he can be coherent within everything because he's not trying to like rope in all these places that are far off it's not like his idea of how to dress is coming from out here and then his idea of what to sing is from a different quadrant and he's trying to like pull them in they've all come from there's no there's there's nothing moving him from the outside everything he does is moving from the inside Yo, yo, everything is moving from his inside. Uh, in the 90s, when he's touring Europe, Leonard takes his Zen master on the tour bus with him. <laughs> the total rock star move. Mm, so cool. He had also select, just hand selects like his cool hip backup singers mm. and asks them to join the band. And then it's like he's creating this caravan of people that's in a tour bus, like going out and doing it every night. Like he had this like kind of along the whole way of selecting people that he's then collaborating with mm. and co-creating. It feels like he was really good at finding his tribe or attracting his tribe or allowing people to find that place in themselves that made them part of his tribe. Like, he would find some super young, unknown, weird-looking dude and be like, yeah, like, we get each other. Let's make some music, yeah. right? It's not like, oh, I should go find a fancy producer or this person has done this and that. Let me go get them excited about this project. Like, how people usually orient themselves in their careers. None of that. It's just like, it's like his whole life is like serendipity. It's serendipity. Dippity combined with a heavy scoop of Leonard. Yes. In the sense that, like, with the young, kind of weird-looking producer that hasn't done much, it was like Leonard synced up with him. Mm. And he ran that connection through the same way that he does everything, from his core of truth mm. of what... And I would like to know how he accesses that core of truth, and I can only surmise that it's from bringing your Zen master on tour with you. I think that's why people kept mentioning how much he was a seeker, like a spiritual seeker. He always, I think, tried to find that place in his in himself where that rang like deeply true. Yeah, yeah. 
that is a I feel as if we can get to that by putting your two thumbs together next to your pointer fingers, making a like a diamond shape and putting it under your belly button and then maybe shining some light into there. And I've been hearing it in my head the last couple of days in having a conversation with the infinite. Mm-hmm. That that would be the most like mundane almost in how practical it would be to communicate with the most powerful force out there. I mean, until, and then the infinite might tell you that, hey, there's something more powerful out there. I don't relate so much to the idea that the infinite is a power. I relate more to the idea that creation is a power. I it like already the, happened. I got a more powerful thing than the infinite. It just happened. No, but yes. you remember how he talks about that, well, actually it was his rabbi who says there is this, like, called put. I don't know what it was called, something in Jewish, which is like the creative force it's feminine which was surprising and then if you make yourself open enough she will speak to you yeah it's the feminine embodied voice of god but they didn't say it was god it was like creation which whatever but so the point is like and then they you have a conversation also like that it's not like she's like you know this is the poem it's like some sort of conversation and then you're like, okay, I have like, you know, the broad outline, and then she leaves, and then you have to like refine it. It's not like it's done. You have to put work in. And Leonard Cohen was talking about how he sort of tried to make that exchange happen and was kind of successful. So then he then just kind of, he was of service for that thing. He was successful in having the exchange with the voice of divine creativity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he said that to prep himself for it, you just have to sharpen your tools. Not to prep for it, but he's like, yeah, yeah, you need to like have your tools in order and like you need to like be ready. And to, and to be ready, he was... Uh, it didn't happen. He was like, it didn't just happen. It was like he had to almost prove himself to her that he was going to be a, like a vessel. It's like she's around and she's looking and it's just mm. like he had to get himself to a point that he, she, she, that he was what she, she was looking for. Mm-hmm. Feels like meditation was a part of that opening up to be present enough. Maybe that's my interpretation. Yeah, I would like to know more about his initial artistic journey of becoming a poet and then a novelist hearing the 60s pop people with their acoustic guitars starting to do poetic lyrics like this sort of going away from the 50s doo-wop and rock and roll and then him realizing that his poetry could be sung and him Mm. learning guitar that I saw but when did the muse when did the creative divine spirit like find him worthy find him suit not even worthy and like oh i'm not worthy but like oh you can handle it oh you're you you're ready for this hmm. you you can wield it my guess is that that appeared his whole life to varying degrees like he would have more and more access later in life but i think probably he had this sense of like something emerging on the paper a little bit mysteriously probably from you as like a kid i imagine 
like like the wonder of like starting with a blank page and then oh now there is something there after I've written a poem I, that's what I was blocked with this morning looking at being a, a poet I was like am I just doing this because I think poets are cool and it's like then I, I and I think poetry when it hits I like it and because I like it I'm like I want to do it mm. and in which because I'm like why isn't it happening mm. why why does it not just occur the way mm. that uh I've seen Sean just rip it out and I'm like that's a fucking poet like it just mm. happened uh and so what is that like why is it grinding if you really are something why is it a grind like am, am I really a poet well there's this point in the movie where he has a depression and he's just like I can't like it's not working for him anymore and so he slows down even more on the creation and he goes into the Zen monastery for six years and it feels like if something is not flowing it's because something is blocking and so Right, when people are, when things are flowing, they are exactly flowing, they're not blocked. Or you have somebody like Jeff Buckley who was also in this movie where he just sings like, and it's so, just kind of flowing out of him. It's the most beautiful singing. I didn't know about Jeff Buckley. It's yeah. so good. And? Total flowing. Like he just has access to all of the range and then has, it's like the music is his emotion. It's like he's kind of like sort of floppy, like kind of shy, but like really steamy dude. Mm. But he, then his singing was like he had even more emotional range within the way that he could characterize his voice mm -hmm. as he went through. He got more sensual in his voice than he was as a man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But total flow between all of the sound yeah but there is something about courage that feels like a really important ingredient something about courage that yeah is it because i think the way jeff buckley was singing was so open in a way you got to see so much of that emotional range and i feel the same with Leonard cohen he's he puts himself so... I mean, he also talks a lot about that in the movie, right? When he's doing concerts, you have to put yourself at risk. Like, full on. You cannot... Yes. Not be like... Yes. Like, you put everything out there, and then you have no idea what's going to happen in the room. So this willingness to make yourself open kind of upwards to the creation, but also outwards to the world. Oh, seems important. Because you can't always be, like, I looked at what I wrote this morning or last night, and I was like, oh, it kind of made me cringe. I was like, oh, you're starting to get to, like, douchey territory. And that's, like, a hard stop on being upwards open and especially outwards open. Those two places have to be flowing, mm. the upwards open and the outwards open. I don't know what it is that made you judge yourself like I don't know what you wrote but I think I'm sure the cone was really self-critical but it was not like does this make me feel embarrassed 
but rather does this feel true? This feel true. This feel true. Yes. And if it felt true. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he was. That's the answer. That's why you're the mystic. Because yeah. he was constantly saying like. Does it feel true? He's like, I'm writing feverously, feverously. Writing two words a day yeah, counts for feverously. You know, he was so kind of humble. Yeah. In his way of describing his own, describing his own, describing like the judgments was. He could make sort of judgments coming from the outside world and be like, I'm not that impressive, really. But he knew that he had written a really good song when he wrote Hallelujah, even though the world rejected it. He was like, no, no, I know this is good. So in that way, I think he's courageous because his own truth is bigger than the conventional truth. Courageous because his own truth is bigger than the conventional truth. And that is the core of cool. Mm. That is how you be cool and not like try to like do like wear sunglasses or like have the there was a couple of examples of like trying to be cool personalities in that movie like rock stars in their sunglasses singing hallelujah and it just so didn't fly <laughs> yeah no it doesn't i mean you can kind of you can go to the right place you can know the right people you, you could like you know, have the money, have the drugs, have, like, the connections. And those can kind of all add up to be a s almost cool. Mm. Because it's flowing through you. Mm. But it's it's not the pure, it's not pure, it's cut. And so eventually you get in a situation and your, your uncoolness will shine through. Mm. And you'll have to, like, evacuate. <laughs> like, <laughs> you won't be able to just like be there. Yeah, you won't be able to just be there through it. That's also why his music, in my mind, is so timeless. There were some of his first songs, and this was, I don't even know when it was, like early 60s, maybe? Yeah, or even yeah earlier? like mid-60s. Okay, and, um, and like his way of dressing, and the photo quality, and the setup in the studio, everything just feels ancient, like so old. But the song itself, I'm like, no, this is like... As Suzanne. relevant and good as it ever yeah. was. And I think that's the difference. The coolness comes from a place of... It has so much substance. It's so solid. It's so legit. Like, it's not... It's not f pumped up by, like, what's hip in the moment or the name of the producer or... It's not the sunglasses. sound effects. There's nothing adorned to it. There's nothing glittering on it that, mm. that just sort of like <laughs> makes you Except have it. Except that one record where some producer did bombastic orchestration that was like so off. Yeah, his Phil Spector. <laughs> he had his Phil Spector <laughs> produced record, which Phil Spector like was doing everybody. He had the hits, but his whole thing was the wall of sound. And that's where it broke down because, as people said in the narration of the movie, that Leonard was about the was about the lyrics, and once you lost the lyrics, so then you get to something that's like quieter and more nuanced, so that it can then flow through him more, or you can flow with it more. Like you can be in those rooms of the poems. I find it fascinating how, in many ways, his music is very feminine, right? It's kind of slow and sensual and kind of soft and sensitive. Like, it's it's not what you would 
it's not exactly masculine, but then it is at the same time super masculine. And he was like a sex symbol in his kind of presence, even though he was maybe so good looking <laughs> or whatever. He's and a I, sex symbol, even though he's not so good looking because of his presence. Because of his breath, but also because he has the courage to be so much in his feminine energy as well. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's... It's cool to see that the world had resonance with that because it was so... Because it's so true. Like, somehow, it's like... It's a more full human experience of what it is to be a man that he somehow expresses that was bigger than what our culture usually allows a more full presence of what it is to be a man Leonard Cohen he what you same as you described with Jeff Buckley's voice right it went to places that were very emotionally sort of nuanced and broad and deep And in voice, we uh, we can we are open to hearing a man be like that. But if he had been like that in words in an interview, people would maybe have thought he was like not so cool. You need practice in these realms as well, because they're to be nuanced and deep and feeling into. I don't know what other areas are in these territories. Like you, you like get there by just get there by just get there by just you have to call it creators because there's like there's like like walking from walking from going to these places to these places but there if you've never been somewhere you might not get it like it's just dependent on how fast your brain can process you might have to be somewhere looking around for a bit before you know what it is and then that's what makes people look goofy and then you get judged to judge you just said some dumb shit you never liked culture never liked culture never liked culture I'm wondering like I was just like why wouldn't have people like flowed into their full versions of themselves from masculine feminine and being like kind of within like this full rich experience of somebody why don't all dudes have the ability to hold a stare the way that Leonard could when he would walk into a room and not hold it with some sort of like aggressive dominating power but hold it with a zen i'm connected to infinity as i walk around Mm. and this is what's emanating through me is my sense of cool that's come from my integrated self Mm. all the way up into i'm wearing this suit (laughs) like that's why I'm wearing this suit. Mm. That's why I shaved my head for six years as I'm up at Mount Basil. <laughs> or whatever it was called. <laughs> right? <laughs> Being a Zen monk for six years, doing my thing. Yeah, men don't have access the same way women don't have access because we get hurt along the way. That's then why it's courageous. It's like everybody knows that it's going to hurt and that it won't quite work. Mm. And, and so it's like, oh, oh, so you did it. Oh, you did it. You pulled it off. Oh, you're mm. pulling it off right now. Like It's because if it's only done like half-heartedly, 
Then you just look so pathetic. <laughs> yes. Like, that's what so, it is. It's, you, so it's an all or nothing. <laughs> kind of. Yes. It's all or nothing. Otherwise, you're like a, I don't know, like, what's his name? Um, Elton John. Is that his name? <laughs> this, like, rock star from the 90s. Anyway. From the movie last night? No, no. You know, when people are kind of heartfelt and sensitive and it's like a little bit looking at their dirty laundry, but it's not quite, it's not quite elevating to a place of like infinity. <laughs> it's just kind of somebody who's not quite <laughs> cool, I guess. Oh, you're looking at their problems, but it's not the, these are not going to be universal Like if forever. people are like, I mean, Leonard Cohen would never, he's not whiny, right? He's no, like, he's so fucking owning, owning his own depressions or his own sense of not, he's not making emo. it. <laughs> Leonard Cohen is not emo. Emo is like quintessential whiny pop-up. Yeah, no, he's not emo. Um, he's owning his shit and he's like, I'm depressed. I need to go spend six years meditating. Like, he's... Own he's your kind shit. Of, yeah. He's kind of walking the talk. Like, he's... Yeah, it's again this alignment of like who he is. So, not so many people have the this the kind of discipline as well to be like. I am now gonna work on becoming a cooler person because life's not quite working for me. Since what people do instead is like they blame somebody or they start drinking or whatever they do, other than actually looking at themselves. <laughs> But he's like. He's actually looking. I had felt that last night when we were walking through the, by the restaurant. It was like a, a, a pharmacy that was converted into like a super hip looking, uh, like an old timey pharmacy, like 1930s pharmacy, converted into a super hip rad restaurant and feeling like, oh, I could never go in there. Mm. And then we had to go drop off some candles in a restaurant that wasn't as hip, but it was still like, this whole thing anyway whatever backstory it was the feeling of apprehension of like oh i don't belong in this place mm. all these people then are gonna like look at you as you're walking through and there are two snowsuits or snowsuits <laughs> and like like wearing like a bandana like a turban <laughs> with bright colors to not be hit while you're bike riding <laughs> i It's this feeling of not being cool, of not being worthy of a place mm-hmm. and not feeling then comfortable. And then it sort of cascades into you're not comfortable and then nobody actually wants to be around you because they all feel that uncomfortableness. It's like this whole chain of reaction. And then it's just like, well, kicks you out. And then it was like, well, what would Leonard Cohen do here? Because like Leonard Cohen is the... He lives in this cool... He would like stand at the door for like 20 minutes and just like have eye contact with the waiters as they come by. And then he's like, yes, this table, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and by then he has already made like seven friends. Yes, like, yes. Can we come sit at your table? <laughs> right? He's already there with them. Like he wants to then talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like, and why does he want to talk to them? He probably wants to like just merge souls a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
Chinese man has that thing in common of like really looking at her shit. Like she like the courage to not look away when something is really difficult. They both have that, I think. That's it's what like, it Ooh, is. Like, oh, this is a p- place in me that really hurts. Let me go <laughs> write a poem about it for seven years or let me go to a psychologist and like dive into this dark place for like I months like and months. <laughs> to stay present with the intensity. Mm. Like you're just in there. Mm. Just like, okay, so this is happening. And that, would you could do that smoother, faster, longer if you were cool. Like if you developed that cool Zen connect to the infinite, it would be... I don't know, the chicken and egg project problem. <laughs> I don't think you can wait for that to start doing that. I think you get cool by staying there and looking. Okay, so my cool development project of is stay there looking. Mm-hmm. So you don't think the cool development project's a good idea? What is this reaction? <laughs> it's no, no, not cool. Just, yeah, it's not cool to do, but it's like, how else are you going to get there? That, that's just a side effect. You don't focus on that. You that don't just focus happens. on the cool? No. <laughs> that wouldn't make you cool if you're trying to develop to be cool. No, no. like, it's like, why do you want to be enlightened? To look cool? No, because it feels good to be enlightened. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. You just want to be able to interact in the world. And that's a way that makes it easier around humans. What else is in this program? (laughs) Like, what are the effects that Leonard has on people? And that's, like, then a reverberation of his cool. So then it's like, how would you start to cultivate this? In a way, he's... He's just always more busy with himself in a good way than the world. Like it, he's like he's just not engaging in trying to impress somebody or win an argument or even like argue with the stupid Columbia bus who doesn't want to put out his brilliant record. Yeah, I like Columbia the would not he's... release Hallelujah on the Various Positions album. He like just said, "Your suit's not good." <laughs> And we know you're great, but are you good? Mm. <laughs> yeah, he he's very good with these words. He really was very good. He had this uh, sidetrack, but he had this like conversation with Bob Dylan in the media. It was like, oh, what did you talk about? And he's like... Bob Dylan and him talked at a cafe in Paris. Yeah. And he's like... We acknowledge each other's genius, <laughs> or something like that. Everybody's yeah. laughing. Um, no, but he, you know, I like this sentence in the movie where he said he was describing how Columbia wouldn't release the record, and he says, "Well, that was how it was." It's like, you know, there's no layer of like, yeah, they were such idiots, and I was really upset. It was just like, yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, and okay, then okay. they found somewhere else to publish it and see 50 years later now it's all good you know 
it's almost like his life has patience of like keep doing the right thing and it's gonna be okay that's a fundamental of cool is to be a like a kind person that you're uh it's kind of like a version of mannered like you're it's sort of like a a gentle like i don't know the word like a gentlemanly type of thing mm. but he doesn't he do, he's not kind because he's like that's the right thing to do he's kind because he's not in a way wasting his energy arguing he's like that's what is this person is doing whatever this person is doing so what do i do now and he doesn't waste his energy on like it's a bit like oh my assistant just stole all my money You're right it's yeah. not about how do i fight this bag how do i get it back he's like okay i should start making some new money yeah in the 90s you know? he's or in the 2000s he's making an album in Los Angeles he goes to the ATM and he has no more money and he's like he, he just hallelujah had blown up like everybody was singing it he should be stacked but his assistant had taken all this money so he's just like gotta write some more songs let's go out and start singing I think that's part of the coolness he's he's um, he's getting on with his own life you know, he's not, like, busy focusing on what other people is doing so that he can't live his life. My, my whole personal trip is not feeling accepted or by other people in the restaurant in the world going to a concert. And then ultimately not being accepted just to be, like, on this planet embodied as a human. If I'm, like, kind of taking it back. So if I, I could just bypass my whole coolness training online program by being accepting myself as a product of the earth and probably some stardust I'm, I'm here I came out of it it's happening by accepting events as they occur like that's just well, that is what is and then by moving from a place of being connected to your heart and having your heart be a barometer for your truth. And as you go deeper in this process, then everything that you do and then everything that you say is going to have a measure of truth to it. And then it doesn't really matter if it's silly or if it's bougie or if it's like kind of far flung. It's like, well, it's true and that's just what that is or was. I think humans are born with a strong sense of right to be on the planet. It's not even a question. It's, that's natural. You would only feel that way if something had happened that made you have that as a question in your system. So I don't know if you can surpass it. I think you just look straight at it and feel it and heal it. Like, it's not, a, it's not that there is something lacking, like that sense of a right to be on the planet, is that something is on top of it, I think. Yeah, something blocking the flow, the flow of it or suffocating it. Yeah, 
I don't think there's a way you because you use the word bypass it. I can just like skip that whole point and look over here. Oh, I was trying to bypass my cool program because every time I said cool program, I saw you kind of cringe, and I was like, <laughs> "Are you cringing because it's so uncool to have a cool program? Or why does that make you cringe?" I didn't know I was. Yeah, but, I don't know what the cool program is. So. Yeah, every time I say that, you're like, "Oh no." <laughs> Yeah, I still think cool is like a byproduct. I don't. I don't think that's the goal. A byproduct of of. Of like a wholesome life when you like do your shit. A wholesome life, like a whole life, like an integrated self, mm-hmm. where you're just concerned about doing your about doing you, and part of that is being like mannered, and being good to other people. Like it's not you doing you to the point that you're like. Just like, wow. No, because that's the thing. Like, if you... The way I experienced Leonard is that the deeper he went into something true about himself, the more he came to universal places of human goodness. Fuck, yeah. And so, it's not like he he was like... The deeper he went into himself, the more he came to a place of universal goodness. So he's, it's not like because he's ought to be nice to people that he's nice to people. It's because that's what makes what that is the only option. The only option. He bypassed everything into just essentialism. Just this is 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 just this. What's happening? Yeah, it's probably why all the big world religions end up almost the same place and enlightened people tend to say the same things. It's It's what I was thinking. I love that enlightened people tend to say the same things. (laughs) It's pretty tight. (laughs) Conversation with the infinite. You said this before. Well, I'm going to keep saying it over and over (laughs) and over and over. In my question of being a poet this morning, it came down to, is it essential? Is it a necessity? Because things that people actually are, it's not that they're like, it's not that they see something that are like, well, that's neat. I would like that. It's that they are that and it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And some of those can be buried or submerged, but it's then passion that gets ignited from seeing something neat and then you're like, it starts to smolder on something and you're like, oh, I, I want that. And so you have to like excavate it. And then that takes the passion to keep kind of fueling that as you go in to try to figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. But ultimately what you're bringing out is something that's in you. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're not, you're not really it. Like you right. keep, you'll keep trying, but it's like, it'll constantly be a struggle because it's that's not like- you unfolding. It's you like trying to grasp the that boy something. bands in korea like that's why they all commit suicide the what the boy bands in korea the boy bands in korea <laughs> all commit suicide no but it's like when you know doing something that crazy and it, that needs like an incredible amount of drive and energy and persistence and dedication if it doesn't come from this place where it's just like the most natural thing that you could ever do you're gonna burn out and get sick like it's not it is exactly what you say. It has to just come from this place of like, it's just me. Like I'm just doing me. Like, like Dylan is just doing Dylan, and Cohen is just doing Cohen. Like, 
and Nina's just doing them. <laughs> There's no question about it. Yeah. Do, are, do they ever have to question it? Like, it, that's the point in their journeys I want to know. It's like, because it's not, everybody just knows. Like, the question of like, oh, am I a firefighter? And like, what are you going to be when you grow up? That mm -hmm. question. So there's something completely wrong with how we ask that question. Because there is no end goal. Leonard Cohen could never have said, oh, I want to be a famous musician. That was... The question is like, what are you curious about right now? Like, what feels really alive in your heart? Like, what's, what's calling you right now? It's not like... Like, his life took so many weird and winding turns. Surprising. Same with Nin, right? She would never have guessed that she would be, like, doing public speaking for, like, a whole generation of students in the 70s, in the 40s, when nobody wanted to listen to her. So this idea of having, like, a goal, what do you want to become? Like Nana, it's like what, what, what are you, who, what are you doing right now? Like that's the oh, question. it's what are you doing right now? Because you don't know what is going to emerge. Like you don't know actually what all the forces are that is that you're going to be with. It's not. I mean, all the founders like I want to be a CEO. I want to be a founder. Like. It's like, no, it's like, no, like, what problem in the world are you passionate about solving? That's going to lead to you building a great company and being a great leader. It's so different, that setup. It's, it's like... You're not grasping for anything. It's like a more revealing process. It's a, exactly. It's like a, it's a discovery that happens one step at a time. Yeah. It's like, where, what's happening right now? That's the point that something can emerge from. Otherwise, things are pushed from an idea about the future. That's going to lead you to like weird places. It's going to lead you to be pushed from an idea about the future, lead you to weird places. Because those ideas are coming from you, from whoever's thinking them, and you're weird. Like No, I think it's because they're exactly not coming from you. They're coming from the outside. It's an outside idea of like, oh, it looks like it's cool to be a CEO. I want to be a CEO. But yeah. it doesn't come from a heart saying, oh, I, I have a passionate desire for learning about leadership. Or I would love to solve this problem in the world. Or if I could serve a group of people in this way, or yeah. it's this outside idea that you then sort of, like, I don't think Leonard Cohen was the like- The outside idea that you're like pushing with. And that was where I, I was like, oh, you're weird inside. Cause I wasn't thinking of my heart intelligence or my gut intelligence or like, I, I was thinking of my head thinking accumulation mm -hmm. of idea, mm -hmm. which is what I still identify as. And that's why it's weird is because it's like, it's this top level that's sort of making sense of the world and seeing things that I think are neat or like that serve some sort of subconscious hurt that I have. 
you know, it's just like, oh, I need to be recognized or I need to be loved by women or like I, I need to be powerful. Like whatever it is that you got going on that then drives your idea of where you should be. Or, you know, it's like you got to please somebody. And then it will just be rife with being fucked up all along the way because you're forcing something as opposed to revealing an emergence that is probably literally happening with everything else emerging. Mm. What, what is Leonard doing? Like Leonard's... He was passionate about getting this song to be just right. That was like the focus. It was not like, oh, I like to write a bestseller song or whatever, like a top-of-the-charts song or... I love to get to a point where I could, you know, make music together with these cool other artists. Or there was no like career goal. He was just like hyper focused on the creation because that was what really drove him. Hyper focused on the creation. Wow. Hyper focused. Yeah, that's that's a stimulating place to be. I think sometimes when people find their purpose, it's when the purpose calls them from the world. Because, you know the saying that it's where your talents and purpose meet, that's like your thing in life? Like, for him, what was outside himself was the creation. Like, this kind of creative flow that maybe came from the divine or whatever. And he was all about trying to channel that out. Like, he was driven from this need to express what wanted to come through him. That's why I think he was hyper-focused on the creation. He was, like, trying to connect up and get this thing out and right and it was so hard for him it was like he could sense it's like i'm not quite there i'm not quite there i have it, i have it like i can i can do this but it's so hard yeah. he kept trying trying and then eventually was like oh, okay i have it but it was so hard and it wasn't about him it was not about him finding his purpose it was this song who wanted to come into the world Hallelujah. And I think that's that's how you find yeah, your purpose. He You're, was so held to that song. He was he was captured like he was a slave to this. He that was what tied him to the kitchen chair. The song did. Yeah, it's like trying to fucking get this song right. And I think that's how you find your purpose. It's like what is it that the world needs from you? It's not what you want. It's like the red hot to the papers guy who says the. the 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 fans gave us our purpose. The fans wanted this music. They became the reason for them to be. They're serving this world who wants their music. And I think that's when I think like meet young people who say like I don't know what I want to do in life. Well, first of all, it's like this big waste of life energy because it doesn't go anywhere. It's just like, pfft. but then I'm like, it doesn't no, no. go anywhere because they got because they're not. Because all, you know, you can do so much in life if you know what you want to do, then people can move mountains, right? They can be like Elon Musk, like going to Mars. Not that that's necessarily great, but as an example. Yeah. <laughs> but so I think it's because people, they somehow, 
they sit and they try to feel what their purpose might be but in a way it's like it's more like what's being called for it's actually opening the eyes and looking out and then it's feeling what resonates in the heart and this is the match you cannot invent a purpose for yourself a purpose oh, is something yeah. you're serving to the world you're serving the world by fulfilling your purpose if you're religious you might say that's like god's what god wants you to do that's how you <laughs> manifest the divine on the planet i don't really run it like that's not my language but maybe people resonate with that so but you cannot just be pulled by what the world tells you to do then you're just like probably fulfilling somebody else's purpose probably of making money which is not really a purpose but some people would say the devil's purpose <laughs> maybe <laughs> so so it's that match of like oh the world needs this and oh this feels like true yes that seems like a difficult thing to tell an artist cuz art seems so pointless in the world of needs it seems always like it's one space removed I from needs i think Owen felt it was pointless yeah, why do you remember he... during the movie I was like, Do you think Leonard Cohen felt that his life has purpose? And you're like you said like, Yes. <laughs> oh, like, Me too. <laughs> oh that's right. Yeah, he had so much purpose because of how he affected people. Because he could touch the truth and create this ambiance of cool and it's like his purpose is people making out to his music for decades. Yeah, it's like a beaming light that shines light everywhere. He went, and after his death as well. So he's radiating light that makes everybody lift. It's, this is, I find, a tricky question. How does somebody radiate light as an artist? Like, not everybody's Cohen, right? Like, mm -hmm. most art that you see and most people doing art is at this level of... It's not as developed. A lot of times it's a lot more of like head, ego coming through it. It's a lot of some, you know, that's like mixed well, in with like one who like recognized. Some people are like a light flutter or whatever. Like, yeah, some people it's like a little <laughs> candles, you know. <laughs> so some people it's the stadium light flutter and some people it's just like a little candle. But that's okay. We need both types of lights. I mean, my mom, who's a writer, she always says, you don't only need the world's best book. You also need number two and three. You cannot only read one book. We need many things. We need variations. So we need the geniuses, but we probably also need all the ones who are not genius. There's this idea of purpose and then like I'm trying to connect purpose with being an artist and purpose being like the world needs something and then it aligns with uh, a spark and there's something in your heart that you feel and then it creates this spark and then you like go and now you're now you're that is purpose now you're moving with it that might not be connected to art like it could be that your art is your way that you just explore your world explore interpersonal relationships like i almost would feel that that's how nin was approaching it 
absolutely. I think, I think being a really compassionate nurse is deeply purposeful. Or a nurse? Yeah. Well, that seems totally purposeful. That seems right. way so more personal, like, personal, purposeful than an artist. That's my point. No, but there is no like hierarchy. Pales in comparison no. to being even a shopkeeper. I don't think so. I don't think there's any... It's like, it's a frog more important than a horse or the other way around. No, it's a frog and a horse. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be the skinned frogs I saw the other day in the deep freezer in the Asian market. But, <laughs> no, it's like there's no hierarchy. And people come with different amount of light in them. They're born on this planet with different amount of lights. And some people, they are like light beams that like light up the whole world. And some are not that's fine and um, and then I'm also thinking that most people don't fulfill their full purpose not because they don't have the light but because there's like things blocking light like all the kind of half ass artists you see around like if they were you know if they were fully liberated as themselves if they had gone six years meditating if they had done all their inner work their art would probably be pretty awesome like yeah probably people's limit to how cool their art is is kind of themselves more than their talent is <laughs> how liberated you are yeah or maybe it's how disciplined you are to spend seven years to get it just right or maybe it's you just had to earn money on something. You only do it two hours a day and you're too tired. Like, there's plenty of reasons why people cannot be their full potential. <laughs> maybe you get sick. Maybe you die too young. You drown. Like Jeff Buckley, man. He didn't fulfill his purpose. I, th to drown in a river in Memphis as a young rock and roller really seems to me like yeah, some sort of spiritual deal going on. Like he's Maybe. the son of a folk singer who can now sing better than his dad and he dies when he's young and beautiful in the place that is the birth of rock and roll by drowning in the water. Drunk. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how these deals with the devil work out. Or, like, what kind of, like, karmic agreements go on? I mean, it's... That's just one way. I, that was the first time I heard about it. If I was, like, close to him, then it would just seem... It would just be sad and tragic. But I just went from, like, being introduced to Jack Buffley to him dying within, like, ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. That sucked. Then had these, I've been looking at the Anis Nin and seeing what her technique techniques were for being in the world and being like a receiver of the world and kind of moving through it, of being like this embodied person that is then listening to her body and using that intelligence to then move forward in her personal evolution of like, fulfilling her full character she listens to her body and she can do that because she's sensitive she's able to be moved 
by the world. Hmm. And then she can bring the evolution to it because of her relationship with her diary and then her thoughts. So it's this like reflective. And then the diary thoughts get increased because she's a novelist. And as a novelist, she's focused on the craft, craft. And then the craft transfers over into the diary writing and becomes clear. So then her thoughts become clear. And then she's moving further. Radius is getting wider or clearer, however it would work. And she's spreading out. And then she has a full sense of what she is and what she wants, where she was saying she just wakes up and warms up her writing with like a letter or an article and then just writes all day long all day just writes all day long all day just writes all day long just she seems cool it's like how did she do it she was probably amongst the same ways that cohen did it Yeah, I think it was also part of her, like, it kept her well. Like, I think it was also her way to digest life and make meaning of life and her refuge, especially when she was younger. It really was her place for kind of knowing that her own reality was valid when the whole world kept telling her it wasn't created yes. like an anchor point for herself yes to know that her reality is valid when the whole world no is saying that it isn't yes and then eventually other people could recognize it too and see that her world was Indeed, valid. Uh, she says here, uh, back in the day, I wasn't so sure of myself. I still needed the uh, father or the critic who would say, you're fine, you're going to be fine, you're a good writer. And because I needed that then, whoever didn't, do that became a very threatening force and that's a neurotic reaction neurotic that's the word for the headspace <laughs> we call it triggered but she was neurotic <laughs> it's like one neurotic is, a, up. is thinking with your head as opposed to thinking with your heart is it's thinking term. with your head when your head is not a clear filter yeah in moments of transition <laughs> it's, like it's good to be lucid like and clear poisonous green <laughs> He was trying to make me doubt myself when I had spent my whole life trying to reach a certain type of writing. Now, if I had been absolutely secure then, as I feel today about my work, I would have said it very simply. I wouldn't have even quarreled with him. I would have simply said, you're in, you're in the 18th century and I'm trying to invent something in the 20th century writing. I'm writing as a woman. I wouldn't have been neurotic about it. Mm. We're only neurotic if we feel something is harming us. This again reminds me of Cohen, who's like, he wasn't arguing with people that didn't want to publish his record. 
he's just like you guys don't get it or like i don't say not even that it's just like uh-huh <laughs> you would just be like uh-huh you don't get it it's okay <laughs> and this comes from this core area it's like you have to really explore the core yeah she knew deep in every cell of her body like no no this has value like he knew he had written a good song he wasn't like oh am i not good but he's just like I, this is a good song they don't think so <laughs> the core know that there's the value she then goes on to say that she had a rich and very deep personal life and that allowed her to write as she mm. has maybe similar to Cohen in that way a rich and deep personal life mm-hmm. yeah like we really like explore off of each other they were nurturing themselves with like substance right they kept feeding cool interesting things into their brains oh okay like that's what she says about rupert her second husband <laughs> i don't know what to call him her partner her second husband <laughs> her um, california husband mm that um it's like why does he want to not be filled up with all these interesting people and conversations all the time like how can he not want that <laughs> that was her wondering right because he would be like oh no we have to not go meet <laughs> these artsy people again he's like oh can't we just stay at home and she's like no let's let's go get the hit <laughs> from the world and Gohan was like Let's stop all the noise and just see what's really in there. <laughs> uh, I would love to see Cohen and Nin talking to each other. Mm. I would love to see them in a staring contest to see <laughs> who like, would blink first. Do you first. think they would have had sex pretty fast? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think so? It's hard to imagine, but their energies would have been like so open, both of them. They would have just like into each other, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Simultaneously writing the poem as it's happening. <laughs> Taking little literary notes. <laughs> oh. This is Nin writing about inspiration. Inspiration is, I don't like to use the word it's abstract, but it's a pure quality that has nothing to do with sex. Women can inspire women, and certainly very often in the early stage, woman was the symbol of what I wanted to be myself. Then she goes on to like her kind of transition of being inspired by women in life. <coughs> I just, something in there seemed important, the idea of inspiration and then where Cohen was getting his inspiration from mm. and just like this inspirational forces coming around. I think because she had this life with all her sexual encounters, it was probably important for her to say like no no like it's not about sex to be inspired like that's genderless and it's not sexual like inspiration is available all the time so she had embodied intelligence i'm gonna hit you with a couple things if anything like stimulates just wrap it up she had embodied intelligence, 
Mm-hmm. She had deep feeling. And feeling deep is going to a place of core truth. Yeah, it's like, I think Cohen did the same. They use their bodies as it's like a resonance body for life and truth. So they Fuck would... yeah. It's a musical instrument. It's a resonating chamber for truth. Yeah. And you can feel then what is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can Uh-oh. feel what excites you or tickles you or make you curious. I mean, it feels like it was something that became like a like a light that they would go towards. Like, oh, ding, something is like there's like a tone resonating in the body and then they're like, oh, this direction. Like this inner guidance by what the body, how the body reacts to what's happening in the world. Yeah, and then they just move towards it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a fun trip to get to go on as humans. Like that's. I love that Cohen was listening to that '60s pop guitar folk music and was like, oh, "I can do this." <laughs> it's so. It's just they're just plucking guitars, and there's. It's like, it's timeless. Like, you could put those songs over. I mean, you could make a trance song out of them. Mm. But with the guitars, it's, I like that way. And then would have integration. She would envelop. She would take something in, and then it would become mm. part of her system. Mm-hmm. Or she would have something happen that she needs to get out of her system. Equally important. Another dude who didn't get her writing and she just needs to like chew on it and be like spit it out again. <laughs> That's similar to COVID of like a a long time of being on the fringes. Like he wasn't selling out Coachella in the eighties. Oh, I didn't have the feeling that he had this sort of resistance from the world that he really had to like <coughs> kind of work his way through. He didn't get harassed or ridiculed or actively ignored or criticized. If anything, he was a bit overlooked, but he was never. Yeah, he wasn't actively. Yeah, shut he was down. pretty comfortable, like the whole way through. Yeah. She was not. Like, she had to fight through one person after the other told her that she was worthless. Because of the sex? They just didn't get her. They didn't think what she brought out had any value. And for sure, gender has something to do with it. And what she brought out was this awareness of an embodied intelligence. Yeah, she also told the world from a female perspective that had no resonance. People were like, wait, like, what is this? It's just like emotions and dreams and bullshit. There's nothing going on and it's like boring and it's like sentimental and emotional. Like it's like, there was no sense of like, oh, this is really interesting. Oh, this is like a person get to be, or this is how people grow and evolve, or this is about human relations. Like none of this, there was no language for it. There was no... Did she ever make a language for it? Mm. Well, she failed to make a language that the world could pick up, like a dictionary. Like what you always say, like Jung created like a 
vocabulary and that made his thoughts kind of proprietary. And she didn't, but did she show something to the world? For sure. And what did she show? I think you just she said sold, it. She, she, she showed, hence sold, but she showed the female experience of liberation. The female experience of liberation? <laughs> what is the danger of a sexual woman? She might not want to be suppressed. <laughs> She most likely will not. She most surely do not want to be suppressed. <laughs> I, I want this glossary of men terms, and I keep looking for it in the book, and I'm like trying to. That's what these lists are: is like the concepts, the embodied intelligence, the deep feeling, the integration, the evolution through reflection. God, go ahead, make your own words. That's what I'm just realizing now. I'm like, oh, you you have to make up words for what these things are. So, and I think you just said all of them. It's like she went through, I'll have to listen back. <laughs> you just said, but it was like, it was what the, uh, she provided a, the, it was what the world did not have a resonance for, which was this female perspective. And then what is this female perspective? It was the... She gave language to a lot of things that were invisible. Invisible because men maybe had, many men had lost the sensitivity to feel and experience them because of cultural shit. Women didn't have cultural space to be allowed to feel and express them. And then also, these are things that are not so easy to see they're kind of invisible and you need to be like sensitive and intelligent and practice enough to like notice like what's going on with these dynamics between people and what are these deeper currents in my psyche that makes me do this like this is kind of like this is not surface level stuff this is like not beginner human stuff this is like advanced level like figuring out what you know what's going on with people I'm and I'm Pretty, uh, I know she spent her life developing that. Like yes. That's what you read in these books and her talking is like when she's giving her lecture circuit in the 60s, it was like people are coming to see this developed person and yeah. then they can read about her development in her mm -hmm. diary that she kept mm -hmm. since she was 12. So it's like, and it's a life pursuing this development through mm -hmm. talking to artists, going to movies, having sex with people, having her heart broken, breaking hearts. It's like, all there and then feeling it through her body like i understand the mechanisms but i don't know quite yet the concepts i don't know quite yet the higher level area i often feel when i read her kind of her speeches or conversations she had with people so not her diary and not her fiction she will have these sentences that are so condensed and so clear so she might not have made like the work list but she definitely has like the sentence library where it's like, oh, this is like some sort of truth expressed in a sentence or two where you're like, oh, okay, this is this like is, a learning sentence for life. Or, the lingo is going to be the condensed truth. It'll like, uh, it, no, they're not always just truths. They're like things that happen. 
kind of like wisdom, like it's a mix of like essential spiritual truths and like tips and tricks. It's <laughs> like yeah. kind of mixed. And it's, that's funny because those are not poetic. Those are not like I Ching where you have to like, what does this really mean? They are, they're like scientifically clear. Mm. She's really good at writing like clearly about something. That's another thing that's so weird because she she goes to these very undefined, deep, subconscious, dreamy, emotional places, but then she writes with this clarity, or oh, this is exactly what's going on at this deep, unknown place. But she's a total psychonaut. She's a, I mean, yes. I mean, she can see people so deeply, right? She can she can penetrate their souls with, like, a gaze. And she's like, uh, this is what's going on for you. And this is what you want. <laughs> you know, she has, like... And she also uses it kind of shamelessly, but still very compassionately. But she will go straight into these places where people have their the most, like... <laughs> secret dark <laughs> unknown or unrealized places and she'll just be like let's hang out there you know or she's um she's kind of intrusive in that way but people want to go to these places it's like with consent know it themselves no she helps them see things and feel things that they didn't know they had wow that's a heavy purpose. That is like... <laughs> yeah, it's transference of the guru. It's going to the palm reader that opens you up. Hmm. But then goes party with you in that place that you open up. And she's like... <laughs> I mean, she's like the opposite of like the neutral analysis. She will just like go get involved. <laughs> she's... She's not shy of like becoming part of whatever these things are. Becoming part of what becoming part of her conversations, her lectures, and see what condensed sentences she has. And if there's not a name for it of that concept, then just make a word that feels of it. And then now that is like that is a thing that it can be referred to. Mm-hmm. And then it could be that you could look at this glossary of men terms and like get the upgrade that it took her a lifetime to achieve. I mean, you wouldn't get yeah. it as deep, but you get the you would see it, you would read it, you'd be presented with it. Would it integrate with you that fast? Probably not. But like, <laughs> one thing is theory, another thing is practice. <laughs> yeah, you can. Uh... You have to embody it, right? Yes. To embody Yo. it, right? Yo. But yeah. I think it's really helpful to get pointers and to know what's possible. There was this academic book on grit and the point was like if you so grit is more important than talent, like you need to stay on things, but also if you want people to be really excellent something, show them excellence, even in some other realm. If you want your team to strive for excellence, go take them see a ballet and they'll be like, fuck, you can get this good. And then people will be like, I could get this good. 
Yeah. And if I have good, I will get this good. That's like Leonard with preservation or perseverance or yeah. sticking with it. Perseverance. Yeah. yeah. But you have to have the idea that, oh, I could get to this realm or this place. It's like having a girl who's enlightened and you can just be like, oh, that is actually possible. Maybe I'll meditate 10 minutes today after all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when you're around what's inspiring, don't covet it and don't let it be like, well, why am I not like that? Like, that's just like an immediate boulder on your flow. It's like you have to just relate to it and just almost a sense of levity. Mm. If you think of it as a light that shines on you. How is that? Not a light that shines on you, but a light that shines on your path. It gives you some insight to what's possible or what's ahead or what's going on. It, it's, it, it helps you navigate. It helps you not be lost in darkness. You know, it's like, so it's not like, oh, if only I could be that more like somebody who shines a light into the world and then you see more of the world and then you can navigate your path more. Dope. I'm going to end this with one more. This, uh, this is the poem from last night. Worship the ground you travel on and you will always be sacred. I'm merging into dream lane, burning bee wax candles, converting depression into blue light specials. On the cell, screen the wax melts. Feels the cracks smothering arrays. Those two D crystal caves, crystal distortion field, circadian rhythms can fuck off. Watching the crocodile snapping insects is the past. I merge with the infinite. I talk to God. I call one nine hundred infinity. Get a hold of the process, like holding one note on your six-note plains flute, bouncing breaths, epochs enveloping winter's frost into bike tire skid out the rubber on Berlin, the blue light on the phone, the cordial pro procession of the moon. Is there anything that is a thing that is not a process? I dissolve wholeheartedly into the sacred, into Max Beckham postmodernist paintings, emotional dynamics, into the wind, into the skid. This is burning rubber, talking to infinity, casually divine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why did you think this was not good? <laughs> I yeah, like some of the words are kind of triggering, triggering like sort of hokey. It's hard to use a word like if you don't believe believe in your believe in yourself or where it's coming from. To use a word like divine to like 
talk to God, talk to like God, to, talk to God, how many like, can it, is it going this way or is it going that way? Do you ever like refine a poem? Like now if you said, okay, now I want to make it better today. And then you did that every day for a week. So that you ended up with seven variations. Have you ever done that? I haven't done it on seven variations. I tried refining. This is the refined. Like I wrote it and then refined it last night. And then it was, and then eventually I was like, well, it's not getting better. It would have noticed on the refinements about by the third time. It's now it's something else. And now it's like. Maybe it has to morph into something completely different eight times till it's like, yes, now it's there. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could try the Leonard Cohen style. Not maybe seven years, <laughs> maybe seven days. I like the idea that it's seven poems too. It's like, then it's you. It's like the first one is not gone. I mean, it could be gone if it's not what you want, but it's like. Because sometimes as you refine, you sort of lose it. Because oftentimes in the refinement is the thinking part. And then I find the thinking part. And then I find the thinking part. Then I find the clever, inspirational drive. And it's just like you're riding this current. Definitely don't want to lose that. But you can like just have like the six words that irritate you and find other words. Or the two things that are like, no, this is too much a contradiction. Yeah. Or this part needs to be explained with one more line because it's too fast. Or like, what's this idea that it has to come out perfect? What if it takes ten iterations to get it right? Yeah, then it's still pretty neat the process of it. Like thinking of it in generations, because mm. then it's like this survival like kind of mutation permutation thing or maybe happening. it's an evolution i mean think about all the things a kid can't do when they're born and then like <laughs> eventually they can do more yeah in that way it still seems organic it still seems like part of the inspiration it doesn't seem as if it's just now your head your neurotic self working on it which to me tends to be not the most lively art makes me curious though if you went all in to the like the neurotic <laughs> self and stiff art what would that poem look like i want to read that too it's too clever and kind of thinky could they be pairs why does poems come in like one versions what if they always came in pairs i wish that poems came with descriptions too like something that like sets the scene do it. It kind of explains it a little bit. Do it. Write the poem collection with the comment sections out of the side. Yeah, yeah it's the comment section. I still am recognizing that what resonates the most with poetry is when it's almost like stand-up comedy. When it's like so simple and just an observation of what everybody is going through. And then you can feel it from a way that you haven't seen it before. Hmm. So then it's like, then what it is to be a poet is to be like really just aware and tapped into the human experience. Hmm. 
I like that. I'm sure there are like many ways of doing poetry and many roles for it and many. Can be many things, no? It can be many things. And it's, yeah, it's always, what's the point of doing a pointless thing? Why do you label it pointless? It has to come down to some sort of necessity. A poetry's fairly pointless. Is it? Why? What, I mean, then you're like, what's the point of living? <laughs> Life itself. Is poetry not a beautiful manifestation of life? Yes. So, there you go. It's very purposeful. <laughs> It's just a beautiful manifestation of life. Yeah. So then it comes down to probably a, a Greek truth or before that when you're just sculpting the best arrow or weaving the best rug is like just the point is to do the best version that you can. Yes. Like if it's a thing that comes from life, it's just like, well, you don't really want to do it half-assed. You want to let it give it the most it can to succeed, to grow, mm -hmm. to be what it can be. Which is, is Leonard Cohen's seven-year process to get that one song just right. Yeah, yeah. Lots of art takes time. People paint on the same picture, the same theme for years and years and years. I mean, how many water lilies did Monet do? Hundreds. Hundreds of water lilies. It's hard. This idea that it must be effortless. Where does that come from? Maybe for some it is, because that's how they work, and for others it's not. The time gives something the substance as well. Like you, then you can feel the substance. Like when you go look at a painting and you're just like, that's like two lines. Like that's a concept versus like a, some sort of masterpiece where you can just feel all the time that's in it. All yes, and sometimes you see one line and it's like so perfect in some perfect ways that you can't describe. And it's like, if there had been another line, it would have been totally not cool. <laughs> so it's like- Yeah, okay, true that. Through that. But I think generally you're right. You sense when people have put energy in something. Hey, so I liked this conversation because it was uh, it was about Leonard Cohen. It was about Anise Nin. It was about like Jeff Buckley. About Hallelujah. It was about songwriting. It was about like psychological mishaps or like neurotic problems that I'm personally going through of like how to be cool, how to like relate to a place of truth, how to feel okay in the world. How does this conversation become something that other people want to listen to? Like I'm starting to realize with the BBB, it's BB, like, it's BB, like, do other it's people like, want to listen to other people talking about like how to live it almost becomes like Oprah
it almost becomes like reading a self-help book in a way. Like at what point is there like, like the flurry like that the, is there? Like the like the kind of heightened emotion. Like where is the gossip? Where is like the juicy conspiracy? Where is like the the facts that are moving forward? Where is it? I don't like gossip and I don't like conspiracy, so I don't need any of that. But what I what I think we like is a sense of evolution, like the sense of like, oh, I had this problem, then I did this to overcome it, and now here I am. Like some sort of dramatic curve. Yeah. And I think, and then something that feels personal. So it's like, what did um, what did it do to us to see that movie? How did it move you? And I think we had that in this conversation. Why do people want to listen to other people? Because it expands the world. Well, I like sitting with you on the canopy bed. It's like, in that sense, it's like bringing other people to the mountaintop. Like other people to the mountaintop. Like other people to the mountaintop. To the mountain. We got like three minutes before we go bail here. Bail, bail, bail. I think a good conversation, a good conversation is, when, is when, when it was interesting to you. If you feel that you learned something new, or you something was moved, something new, or you something was moved, something new, or you something was moving, was moving, was moving, was moving, was moving, was moving.